Our democracy is on the ropes. It is time to fight. That's our topic for this evening. Only last night, our former president, Donald Trump, twice impeached, who sought to steal the presidential election he lost to Joe Biden, having been beaten like a drum, told the rioters, who made his attempted coup possible, that if he's reelected, he shall treat the rioters fairly. Trump said, if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons because they are being treated so unfairly. Consider the fact that there are pending charges of seditious conspiracy against the Oath Keepers. But Trump says they're being treated oh so unfairly. The Capitol was overrun with his mongrel army. People died. Hanging the Vice President and kidnapping the, spirator, the, the Speaker were among their objectives. Trump is unleashing the far-right coalition of unwashed haters to do whatever it takes to restore him to office, no matter what's lawful. More, if he's elected, he's said it now, he'll see that they are pardoned. He's the very model of our own very modern dictator. The less the law is enforced, the more Trump and his minions taunt the lawful. The less the law is enforced, the more our democracy is endangered. Our AG, so-called Garland, can't wrap his mind around enforcing the law. Nor the DA in Manhattan, nor the New York AG, nor the Fulton County DA in Georgia. The hole in the head gang does what it will. Meanwhile, our cup runneth over in terms of seeing and hearing the evidence that condemns Trump and his band of traitors. As I said, though prosecutors up and down the, coast, the, the East Coast don't see nor hear nor prosecute anything. Prosecutors brought three criminal cases against lawyer Avenatti, the scourge of Trump at the height of his cable news efforts, bringing the receipts of Trump's payoff to a lady of the night. By comparison, nothing has happened to Trump, nor anyone else in his orbit, not Rogue Rudy, nor Bannon, nor Stone, nor Meadows, nor Navarro, or any of the others. Did Biden and other institutional types just think Trump would go away? The one-sixth House Committee daily tells us of Trump's wrongdoing, but they can't prosecute anyone. They have no authority to do that. And what are they talking about? A late release report during the midterms? Spring hearings? The only thing that they intend to do is legislation to clarify what an elector does. But that's really simple. The last proposal is like an admission that there was something wrong or unclear about what electors did or how we counted them, rather than concentrating on the bogus coup memo that Trump's team of Giuliani, Eastman, and Navarro created. The law on electors is found in the Constitution, clear as day. You just count the electors and declare the president-elect. It's a pro forma exercise, nothing complicated. Trump and his supporters lost the election, but they distort the truth about that and so much more. Those who listen to Trump's Ministry of Lies believe bleach and large animal pest medicine will save them from COVID. They believe this nonsense because Trump's lackeys tell them it's so. In Virginia, it is the law to follow CDC guidelines, but the recently installed far-right Governor Yunkin directs schools to go maskless. Our newly minted far-right AG is directing colleges and universities not to mandate vaccination. Imagine that. 
Public school board meetings have become arenas for the politically outraged far right to discriminate and dispense disinformation. The public schools are being used as the forerunners to upcoming elections making diversity and First Amendment freedoms the issue. In this vein, the latest is censorship, banning books, and some even promote book burnings. Our far-right Virginia governor is telling citizens to snitch on friends and neighbors about what those teachers and what kind of books there are. To suppress a thought or a writing, as we've seen in several dysfunctional nation states, has the following effect. You suppress the book, you you suppress the possession or reading of that book, you suppress the knowledge of the book's content. Russia's Joseph Stalin engaged in visual, visual censorship during his political purges. He literally erased some of the purged figures from Soviet history, and he took measures which included altering images and destroying film. When the Nazis, by comparison, came to power, they guaranteed freedom of speech and the press. Oh yeah, but they wanted people to subscribe to Nazi ideas. They tried to control forms of communication through censorship and propaganda. Sound familiar? They managed to obtain control of the newspapers, magazine, books, art, theater, music, movies, and the radio. Today, Hitler would add the various forms of social media, for sure. In 1933, the Nazis centralized their propaganda efforts in a new ministry led by Joseph Goebbels, called the Reich Ministry of Enlightenment and Propaganda. They glorified Hitler, spread negative ideas about others, organized speeches on the radio, and had large Nazi party rallies. Something like that rally that Trump had last night. Starting in 1934, it was illegal to criticize the Nazi government. To tell a joke about Hitler was considered treachery. Among the ways they controlled what people thought was to ban and burn books the Nazis categorized as un-German. Nazi censors removed some textbooks from classrooms. New textbooks taught students to obey the Nazi party, love Hitler, and hate certain groups. There were book burnings. On one night they burned 25,000 books. If a public doesn't know the issue, conflict, idea, facts, or details, they can hardly be awakened to learn about it or to protest against it. If we put blinders on our children, what kind of citizens can they be? That was the idea of Orwell's 1984 and the Ministry of Truth. That is, we tell you all that we want you to know about and nothing more. It would be amusing if it didn't matter so much that the far right tells us they want everyone to have their freedom, but they want to tell them what they can read and not read. Before he was elected our Virginia governor, Mr. Youngkin supported Laura Murphy, who wanted a book removed from her child's English curriculum. The book was Toni Morrison's Nobel Prize-winning novel, Beloved. This initiative was not so subtle. It was a not-so-subtle move at white solidarity, and to avoid the questions of race that the Morrison book addressed. It also sought to win Youngkin's Election Day votes for discriminating against diversity in our schools and in our curriculum. Youngkin's first executive order was to ban, quote, inherently divisive concepts 
close quote, in school. He told a conservative radio host that he plans to set up an email address for parents to report any teachers or schools where there were, quote, any instances where they feel that their fundamental rights are being violated, where their children are not being respected, where there are inherently divisive practices in their schools, end quote. In Spotsylvania, Virginia, on Facebook, parents were encouraged to check out books from the school library they wanted to see removed and bring them to the school board meeting where the notice said, quote, we will burn every last one of them. The Facebook site later posted the names and workplace of all school employees who spoke up against the board's decision to remove the books from library shelves without following established policy to challenge any library policy. And how did that work out? Well, the sheriff stopped the book burning. At the next meeting, Kirk Twig, who supported taking the books from the library, he was elected the chair of the school board. He was put in charge of that school board. He said he wanted to, quote, see the books before we burn them so we can identify within our community that we are eradicating this bad stuff. Governor Youngkin intends to root out objectionable content from the schools directly. With his tip line, he appears ready to launch his own miniature Stasi, the repressive secret police that once existed in East Berlin. In Wise, in southwest Virginia, the Pulitzer Prize-winning graphic novel about the Holocaust is now the talk of Appalachian Books Banned Book Club. The book owner has established a sec section of volumes banned in various school systems, including George Orwell's Animal Farm, the Harry Potter series, Ralph Ellison's Invisible Man, Stephen King's The Stand, The Hunger Games, Twilight, and more. Unfortunately, this offensive against the First Amendment is not limited to Virginia, not that that isn't bad enough. This censorship calculated at first to affect young readers is scattered across the nation. School boards and city officials in Mississippi, Missouri, and Tennessee want to purge what they consider objectionable books. The Ridgeland, Mississippi Mayor Gene McGee tried to withhold the school board $100,000 in funding because he wanted to see a spate of LGBTQ-themed books banned from school libraries. What was his rationale? This material, this goes against his Christian beliefs. According to the American Library Association, between June and September of last year, the U.S. saw 155 unique censorship incidents in cities and districts across the nation. Deborah Caldwell Stone, ALA's director, said, quote, we're seeing an unprecedented volume of challenges. In Round Rock, Texas, about 20 miles outside of Austin, there was an attack on a National Book Award book titled Stamped Racism, Anti-Racism, and You by black authors Jason Reynolds and Ibram X. Kendi. A local group formed calling itself Anti-Racists Coming Together to fight this banning. The banning pretext was that this book taught critical race theory. One parent said, quote, taking away that book would have completely whitewashed history, and that's not what we're here for. The parents prevailed in that fight. The book remains, but the fight continues. Texas Governor Greg Abbott signed a bill that regulates how U.S. history and certain ideas about race can be taught. Nine states in mostly Republican areas have passed similar bills 
what they say are, quote, anti-critical race theory bills. When the bill passed, Republican Representative Matt Krause of Texas released a list of about, get this number, uh, 850 books he wanted banned from the school libraries. So the beat goes on. Krause claimed the books, quote, made students feel discomfort, close quote, because of their content about race and sexuality. We should all feel discomfort that we have fascists across the nation pulling books out of our libraries, denying them to children and young adults, discriminating by the selections they choose based on race and sexual orientation that plainly affect the well-being of these children in ways that may scar them for life. We have to do what the Texas parents did, fight for our right to be free, Fright, fight for our right to read what we want, what Republicans insist is uppermost in their values, you know, our freedom, when we see that that's not true at all for the Republicans. The overriding thought I leave you with is what Jefferson said. Jefferson said a nation that expects to be ignorant and free expects what never was and never will be. That's what we're fighting about. From our First Amendment exertions through how we can vote what we can learn, that we're a democracy and not an autocracy. All of these are on our agenda to fight. Too many elected officials are sitting on their hands doing nothing. So we have to get them off their ever large hindquarters and get them in the mix to fight to save this democracy before it's too late. Enough said. Talk to you next week. Hope you found this interesting. Bye-bye.